from the front lines of the green rush. This is Green Entrepreneur, where business owners talk about how they found success in cannabis and how you can too. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Green Entrepreneur podcast. My name is John Small, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Green Entrepreneur. On today's episode, we're going to talk about THC potency. How accurate are the claims that you see on the labels? Many cannabis consumers are what we call numbers hunters. They want to find the strongest, most potent THC products. And knowing that this is a common practice, growers and distributors sometimes shop around for a lab that gives them the highest THC scores. This is called potency inflation, and it's also known as lying. And it isn't good for those attempting to manage precisely how high they become. It's also potentially dangerous. And to talk about the dangers of mislabeled cannabis products on the market, I'm joined by Ben Rossman, who is the CEO and co-founder of PSI Labs, or Psy Labs. And his company serves two of the largest markets in California and Michigan. And he has very strong views on the topic. Welcome to the show, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. So to give a little context here, tell us what PSI Labs does. PSI or Psy Labs, we were founded in 2015 in Michigan and as a cannabis testing lab. And originally we started back in 2015 before there was any sort of regulatory system serving patients and caregivers who would bring us samples who were interested in what was in their product or something that maybe they just had. When the medical system came out and then adult use, we became uh, one of the first two medical licensed labs in the state and then the first adult use licensed lab in the state. And so as a cannabis testing lab, anything that is sold on the shelves of a dispensary would first have to be tested by a lab like ours. So we send field sampling technicians, samplers out to the field to work with to go on-site to growers or processors to take a representative sample of the entire batch. And so it would be representative by weight for that batch. And we get it down to using a random number generator just to make sure that it is truly a random sample as opposed to someone handing us a sample and saying, this is representative of my batch. And yes, it looks beautiful. Trust me, the three pounds in the back storage closet, uh, you don't need to look at that. This is representative. So take a representative sample, bring it back to the lab, test it. Those results will be sent simultaneously to the state and to the client through the state seed to sale tracking system. And all that information is uh, traceable from seed to sale, just like it sounds. And so once product passes, so nothing fails, there's no contaminants found, that product is able to be sold from the grower or the processor to a dispensary. And all of that testing information flows along with that product. And it should be on the label. And so a consumer then, when they're at a dispensary, the testing information that they see would be from a lab like ours. So I hope I didn't get too far in the weeds there, but that's 
essentially the services that, that we do at the compliance level. Right. And are you certified by the state to do this? Yes, we are. We're, we're a state licensed laboratory and we're also ISO accredited. So do all labs that test cannabis in a state have to be certified by the state? That's correct. So I sort of explained it in the intro, but explain in more detail what potency inflation is and why it is such a problem in the country right now. You know, so there's this term lab shopping that people have maybe heard of before. And it's a, it, it is what it sounds like where you can shop around for a lab. So our clients, as I said, are the growers and processors. And sometimes if they get a result that they don't like, that's unfavorable to them, unfortunately, they might be able to find another lab that can give them the result that they're looking for. And so that, in its essence, is lab shopping. Now, part of the problem is sort of historically, cannabis lab testing was used for marketing purposes, right? Before there was any regulation, any state-mandated testing, like I said, we started in 2015 before anyone had the test. People were interested what was in it, but they also wanted to sell their product to either patients or other people in the community. And when you are testing how much intoxicants are in an intoxicating substance, and in early days, all anybody really knows about, for the most part, is Delta 9 THC. It's important to show that you have as much Delta 9 THC as possible. And so if you have a piece of paper in your hand showing that you've got more than anybody, that is a great selling point. And I believe that's sort of how things started. And it's just, if you think about alcohol as a parallel industry, that's not how we look at alcohol, right? You're not going to go after, you're not going to go pursue alcohol that has the highest possible alcohol content because that's got to be the best. You might look at something that has a particular flavor or taste. Yeah, exactly. Profile that you like. Sometimes you're in the mood just to drink a nice relaxing glass of wine. Uh, Some people like tequila, other people like vodka. But the way that this has evolved, people think of THC as the end-all be-all and have this myopic focus on it. And it's unfortunate because that's what's permeated through the industry. So there's a tremendous amount of pressure on growers and processors to have over 20% Delta 9 THC because otherwise they have a hard time getting their product into dispensaries. That puts a tremendous amount of pressure on the cannabis testing labs to produce those numbers for them. So that means that there's a lot of incentive to cheat and the incentives are too high and uh, enforcement, it's tough to enforce this against this industry, which is relatively new. And right now it's mostly ineffective, I guess you could say. So I understand the incentive of of why growers and manufacturers might want to doctor the numbers. Talk to me about the incentives of labs uh, doing this work for them. Are they getting money under the table? What is the uh, financial incentive there? So us as Scilabs, as an example, if we have a client who's unhappy with the results and then they're going to take their business elsewhere 
to a lab that's going to give them more favorable results to them, even if that lab isn't getting paid under the table for fudging the numbers or cherry picking data. They're just simply getting that business where we're not because we're not fudging the data. So that in and of itself, I mean, there are labs that are getting the majority of the business because they're willing to do that kind of work, sort of prioritizing business over the scientific integrity. So yeah, it's sort of um, like a, a doctor that will write opioid prescriptions, like a will, you know, like you find the one doctor out there that will write all these opioid prescriptions when other doctors won't. And it sort of sounds like that with labs. Like they're just there's certain labs that are known for giving you favorable results or the results that you want. Yeah. Or a doctor who we tell a patient, look, I'm sorry, sorry to give you this information, but you have early stage cancer. And they say, I don't like that. I'm going to find a doctor that tells me something different. So there are doctors that are just telling people what they want to hear. Certainly not that extreme, but that is essentially what's happening. So THC inflation is one problem we're seeing, but they're also changing other results, right? People might be buying moldy cannabis and not even realize it. Yes, that is correct. And there there have been labs that have been shut down for this. And it's, uh, again, enforcement is uh, these different state regulatory agencies, I think, are doing their best to catch up with bad players in the industry or maybe just negligent players in the industry. But there was a lab in Las Vegas that just one that I can think of that got shut down for inflating THC, but also um, manipulating data and passing results that were clearly had plenty of mold in them. Hey, everyone, John Small here. I wanted to tell you about a really cool and exclusive event that Green Entrepreneur is hosting on October 27th in Chicago, Illinois. It's called the Green Growth Summit. And we're gathering some of the top names in cannabis, both in Illinois and around the country, to talk about how to build and grow a successful cannabis business. I mean, we've got Jim Belushi from Belushi's Farm joining, Al Harrington from Viola Brands, plus executives from Cresco Labs, Wana Brands, Green Thumb Industries, and so much more. But here's the catch. We've only got 150 seats available, so you'll want to get in on this quick. To reserve your seat, go to GreenGrowthSummit.com. That's GreenGrowthSummit.com. I hope to see you there. So what do you propose we do to solve this problem? It sounds fairly insurmountable. So what is your solution here? Yeah, so we do have semi-regular audits from the state. All the labs are licensed by the state. But it does seem like that's sort of just basically like having a driver's license, right? Plenty of bad drivers still on the road. And it's the bare minimum. As far as what we can do, it's a really tough question. And I think what we're trying to do as a lab is educate as much as possible, speaking with folks like you. We're also talking with elected representatives because this is new information to them. And maybe they've read an article here or there, but they don't realize how prevalent it is. A lot of people don't realize that when they look at 
test results on products in shelves all across the state, all across the country. You kind of don't know whether or not you can trust that information, period. And that's a problem because in our everyday lives, we take for granted the fact that this stuff has been quality controlled. It's been tested. I can trust the nutrition label, for example. And you assume the same thing for cannabis products. But unfortunately, that's just not the case. So we also collect data regularly. We do secret shopping programs. We put together reports. We send that to our state regulators. We also put together a coalition of like-minded concerned labs and work on reports together just as a coalition to send to our state regulators. So we're trying to get as much attention together on this issue. But at the end of the day, it's a multi-billion dollar industry and there's no tax revenues that are going to be collected on unsold cannabis. Mm. And so there's this push-pull that's always going on when it's in any state's interest to promote business and promote a healthy industry, whatever that means, however you want to define healthy industry or positive business. But then the pull of concerned labs reaching out and saying, there's a serious problem here and consumers are getting ripped off and we need to do something about this. It's not just that consumers are getting ripped off, but there's also a danger in mislabeling products. So there certainly are patients who use cannabis for legitimate qualified medical conditions. I have epilepsy. My partner has Crohn's disease, but I can't speak about this from the position of a qualified medical expert. I don't know about smoking cannabis that's covered in mold, what that's going to do to my health. I've read like a little bit about it, but I do know that if you're, if someone's essentially putting their finger on the scale and saying that this has 100 milligrams of THC and that's what you're buying, but you're really only getting 60, that's unfair to the consumer and they should know. And there's also some dosing implications. So there's issues right there with just transparency and like consumers getting ripped off. And as far as safety, yeah, I mean, I don't want to smoke anything that might have a lot of mold in it that might have pesticides that might have heavy metals and all those things are possible. And as far as the potential detrimental impacts to my health, again, I can't speak to that. I just know that I want to know what I'm ingesting. I think it's important that consumers are empowered with that information so they can uh, make those decisions for themselves one way or the other. And right now, if a label says it's free and clear of any contaminants and it's not, that's a huge problem. What about THC caps? You read a lot about those these days. Some government officials are threatening to put caps on the amount of THC that can be in products. Do you think that might help the situation here? To me, that seems more like regulators being worried about the detrimental effects of THC intoxication and so wanting to cap it. And I think people should, adults, consenting adults should be able to make their own decisions and know what's right for themselves. 
as long as, again, they have all the information available to them. And if they're getting the wrong product information, then that could be problematic. And a THC cap, if it's 50 milligrams or whatever it is, and people are always, certain labs are going to be putting their fingers on the scales or, or whatever. I mean, that that's going to be happening no matter what. So I, I just don't see that solving the problem. I just see that that's sort of a, another issue altogether. Are there watchdog groups out there that are doing tests on products? You mentioned that you have a coalition of labs that you work with. Do you retest products that have been tested just to make sure they are as accurate as possible? Yeah, so we do. We do some of the testing. Obviously, there's an inherent conflict of interest, which is problematic. One of the things that we do as a coalition is test one another as well, or just sort of our aim is to be as fully transparent with one another as possible, sort of open our books to one another and just aim to raise the bar in terms of standardization and that sort of thing. As far as a watchdog group or something like that, that would be wonderful. I don't see that that's happening. We do our own secret shopping. We've also, something recently that happened was uh, there was a, a buyer at a dispensary was given a, a trade sample, something that he was asked, would you like to buy this? This passed at this lab and here are the results. And he opened it up and smelled it, smelled extremely moldy. He could even see mold hyphae growing on it without a microscope. And so he didn't buy it, but he brought us the trade sample to test it. And sure enough, it was just covered in mold and the numbers were way different. So when you have more discerning bud tenders and people who care about sort of their brand's reputation, that's really important. And that just happened recently. And as far as watchdogs, another thing that's happening right now, and I feel like this is going to happen more and more, are class action lawsuits on behalf of consumers where someone got results. It was tested by a uh, quality control tested their compliance tested by a lab. And then they went and um, did their own over-the-counter testing and said it was lower than the compliance testing and got a class together, created a class, and now they have a class action lawsuit. Now, I'm not sure that that particular lawsuit is going to be successful, but I see, I think this is going to happen more and more, especially because this is a, it's a real problem that's happening all over the country and attacking people's wallets might be the, the only real way to, to stop the issue. Yes. There's nothing like the law and the fear of fines and being shut down uh, to change people's practices right away. So I'm, I'm encouraged to hear that. All right. So I'm a consumer listening to this. You know, we always preach, you know, read the label, find out what's in the pot that you're putting in your body. We always preach that gospel here, but it sounds like sometimes what's on the label isn't even accurate. So what does a consumer do then? It's really hard. The labels, unfortunately, unless you have a really trained eye, it's really hard to tell if something's amiss on the labels. They should have a recent test date, sample number, all the relevant test data. I would just say, don't be wowed by high THC numbers. Very few strains are above 30% for example. And in general, for 
other companies for the dispensaries, for example. I understand there is so much pressure on all stakeholders in the industry to have these high potency numbers. But as soon as dispensaries start buying more excellent flour that's under 20% THC, I think a lot of this is going to change for the consumers as well. And there's plenty of flour that's under 20% that should be treated and is top shelf. I just think more education for bud tenders, and then that is passed right down along to consumers as well. And a lot of this stuff just comes down to the sniff test, because again, when it comes to reading the actual label, it can be really hard to see if the number is funky, unless you're really familiar with different strain types and sort of trends in the data. But sometimes you open up that bag and it smells like a basement. You're like, this this doesn't seem right. Oftentimes you can just trust your gut on it. I'm interested in the industry that you're in of lab testing. If people listening to this podcast are interested in getting into that business, would you warn them to stay far away? Are there opportunities still in that area of the industry? What is your sage advice there? We're always looking for labs who are wanting to do things the right way, who operate with scientific integrity and looking for people who uh, have an interest in science and business and the combination, those two things and operate at that level. So if folks are interested in that, it really is a, a fascinating business to be in. I think people who are looking for a quick buck and cashing in on this billion dollar industry might be a little bit disappointed, but people who are fascinated in cannabis science and passionate in it will really, really enjoy it because it is fascinating. Well, Ben Rossman, thank you for joining the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Psy Labs, go to psilabs.org. Thank you for listening to the Green Entrepreneur Podcast. To find out more about Green Entrepreneur, you can go to greenentrepreneur.com or check out our magazine on newsstands everywhere. Check out our Instagram at Green Entrepreneur. We're also on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, and all other social media feeds. If you like this podcast and you'd like to hear more from me, Jonathan Small, check out my other podcast, Right About Now, that's W-R-I-T-E, to get some in-depth interviews into the lives and stories of successful writers, how they got there, what they learned, and what you need to succeed. That's writeaboutnowmedia.com. Until next episode, we'll THC you later.